Come on, let's go ahead and stand our feet this morning as we worship the Lord together. Yeah. 
world to see you are good come on somebody help me sing that this morning we say shine jesus you shine for all the world to see you are glorious give him some praise. We serve an awesome God. Amen. How many just say this morning, I'm just happy to be here. Amen. It's always an honor to be in God's house, worshiping, love on God with, with all our heart and all our soul and mind and strength, but to do it with God's people. Amen. So as we continue to worship this morning, I encourage you just to engage God with all your heart as we worship him. Breathe life into 
somebody give him some praise this morning. Come on, let's really bless him in this place. Lord, we bless you. Jesus, we welcome you, Lord. great love and mercies that are new every morning. We worship you, Jesus. Let's say this. Thank you, Jesus, just as I am.
just stand before you. We stand in your presence, and we just thank you, Lord, that you accept us just as we are. With our faults, with our weaknesses, with our failures, you receive us, Lord. And then you cleanse us and purify us and make us like you. And we say thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take time right now in the middle of our worship to have our prayer team come forward. And we want to pray with you about anything you need prayer for, whether it's for healing, for your family, for your finances. But especially I was feeling this weekend that there were going to be those here that feel overwhelmed. The scripture that Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and who are burdened and I will give you rest. And what God is saying to you today, if you are weary, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel stressed, if you feel just caught up with life and you need God's peace, we want to pray with you today. So we're going to bring our prayer team down the front and you can come up for anything, but especially if you need the peace of God, if you need his rest, come forward and we will agree with you. And You will leave here with your burdens laid down at his feet and with a fresh sense of purpose and peace. God bless you as we continue to worship.
gonna slip this up. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
According to Google Trends, during Easter week, the word church is Googled more that week than any other week of the year, including Christmas. There's something about the power of Jesus' death and resurrection that makes even the most skeptic person listen. We urge you to take advantage of this Easter opportunity and want to give you every chance to reach out to the family and friends in your life that you've been praying and believing will come to the Lord. We have crosses located on the walls of the sanctuary where you can write the names of people you want to see come to the Lord so we can be praying for them. On your way out today, pick up some of our Easter invites in the foyer. You can hand out to friends, family, or strangers. Also this year, we have invite door hangers, an easy way to invite your neighbors by simply hanging an invite on the door. Join us in seeing lives change this Easter. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord? Make a little noise. Amen. We are excited that you're here. Uh, we have a couple quick announcements. Does anybody know what's happening in two weeks? Easter. Easter weekend. And we actually have some handouts Hope's going to tell you about. The ushers are coming around right now with a couple of cards, and these have all of our service times and information on them. And we just want to encourage everyone to give these to coworkers, friends, family, just because you never know if this card is the card that leads someone to the biggest decision of their life coming home to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And also, uh, not only those, we want you to take a handful of those, but as you leave today, uh, in the foyer and actually at the back door as well, there's these. You saw them in the announcement video. These are door hangers. We've never actually done these before, um, but you can take a couple of these, put them on your neighbor's door, or someone that you're just believing that God's going to do something in their life. And uh, I guess the, the past couple years, we really had huge Easter services. And last year, I think we had 1,800 people, which is the most we've ever seen on the weekend, which is, yes, yeah, an awesome thing. Uh, but this year, we're preparing for over 2,000 people on Easter weekend, and we can't do that without you guys uh, just joining up with us and, and inviting people, but uh, as we say that, as you can look around the sanctuary, there's actually crosses on the walls as well. And beside those crosses, there's some Sharpie markers. And uh, this is something that we do uh, every year. And what we do is we'll, we'll go and we'll grab those markers and we'll actually write down the name of a loved one or a coworker, something, someone that we've been praying for. And we, we write them on these crosses. And then during the week, all the way up until Easter, we have people that are in here every day praying. And we'll go and we'll lay hands on these crosses and we're praying for the people and the names that are represented there. So if you have coworkers, loved one, family members, um, anybody that you're believing and wanting God to do something in, your, in, in their life, we want to encourage you, man, grab a marker right there name on the cross and we're believing this Easter season God's going to do an awesome work in our community. How many people believe that? Amen. Thanks guys. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. This is a very spiritual day, a very holy day. It is daylight savings time. Anybody have a hard time rolling out of bed this morning? Ooh, I got to confess I did. I asked my wife if I could stay home, but she told me I was a pastor. I had to come today. Hey, uh, I want to update you on something. You know, our communities now is beginning to have a discussion about uh, the Arkansas ordinance that was passed about uh, uh, adding to a non-discrimination ordinance, adding uh, sexual orientation and gender identity to it, whether it's a good or a bad thing. 
I want to say this as a, as a Christian pastor, as someone who believes in the Bible, I mean, no, God loves everybody. For God so loved the world, and that's me, that's you, that's everybody in the world. But the Bible it doesn't portray a God that's only loving. It's also a God that's just and a God that has standards that are right and wrong. And that's probably one of the greatest challenges that I have is to present the Bible and biblical truths to cultural issues that surround us. And it's very clear to me as I look in the Bible that our culture has veered from God's standards when it comes to issues of morality, uh, issues that are evoked by gender identity. How many know God created in Genesis man and woman? Well, anyway, this, uh, in Arkansas, I'm thrilled to tell you that as of last week, there were over 2,000 signatures that have been signed and, and, and presented to help repeal this ordinance and give the people a chance to vote on it. Now, I've talked about this in the past. I'll talk more in the future. But I have a concern that what starts as something that appears to be innocent can begin to have ripple effects and come in great conflict with religious freedom. Let me tell you why. Two examples from the state of Maine. In Maine, Denny's was forced to accommodate men dressed as women in women's bathrooms. A man named Bruce, a Denny's customer, changed his name to Brianna, began wearing women's clothing, makeup, and jewelry, also started using the women's restroom. The female patron complained. The manager said he'd have to use the men's room. He filed the complaint, and the Maine Human Rights Commission uh, ruled that Denny's was guilty of discrimination. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's in the state of Maine. It could easily be in the state of Arkansas. Uh, also in the state of Maine, the Human Rights Commission ordered the school to allow a transgender boy in the girls' restroom. This is fifth grade. Fifth grade boy in Asim's, uh, Asa Adams Elementary School claimed he was a female and therefore entitled to use the girls' restroom. The school would not allow the boy to use the restroom, assigned him a separate restroom. Parents of the boy accused the school of implicitly isolating their child by not allowing him to use the girls' restroom. The commission ruled against the school, saying it had practiced unlawful discrimination by not allowing the boy to use the restroom of his choice. That's the world we live in today, and uh, I want to affirm our church's position that we love all people. All people are welcome to come to our church, regardless of your sexual identity or orientation, but I also love you enough to tell you the truth. Whether your sexual issues are heterosexual or homosexual, the Bible has a pathway of clarity. And uh, I think I can do that. My intention is to speak the truth in love and to welcome people, but always uphold God's standards. This is a Bible-believing church. And, you know, that's what, look, and that's what a preacher is supposed to do, is to be someone who stands for God's Word, and I'll do it the best we can. Anyway, if you're from Arkansas and you hadn't signed the petition, we'd be delighted if you would. It's right after church, last chance today in the lobby. God bless you and thanks. Amen. Well, why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew. We're looking at uh, chapter 6, starting with verse 19. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. We have a church that's storing up a lot of treasures in heaven. We have generous givers. And I wanted to just show you a little bit about where your money went with our team that went to Thailand. This is our Thailand team. 
We were there and just returned this past week or so. This was our first women's conference that we put on. We ministered to women from six different nations, Cambodia, Philippines, Pakistan, Burma, Malaysia. Uh, we also ministered to people from Korea and, of course, Thailand. This woman gave her heart to Christ. There were several that got saved at that women's conference. We then went out with Hand to Hand and Patia and went to do slum ministry. We passed out food for families, a week's worth of food. It had the oil and the rice and all of that in a package. We passed it out. We also gave every child milk and some cookies because what child doesn't like cookies? But your monies helped purchase that food and helped purchase those gifts that we brought into the slum area of Patia with hand-to-hand -hand ministry. And there's our ladies that were there. This was a Bible school. We ministered in two different Bible schools. This was a Bible school full of Thai people from mostly from the jungles. These are some of the students there that we ministered with. And if you look at their desks, their tables were in really bad shape. They were starting to fall apart and the water and the, just the humidity. And your dollars that you give here, we took and we purchased them all new tables. You see the new tables there? Can you, see, can you see that? I know I'm kind of in the way. We purchased, I think it was 17 tables for them and for their school and um, blessed them. But then their kitchen was falling apart. It was just like a little shack, their, their rice cookers, their burners, their walks. And what we did was we replaced all of that old kit in their cabinet. We bought them some new walks, some new burners, made them spaghetti. Again, rice cookers. That was what your dollars that you give in a new food cabinet to protect their food from the bugs. And this was their cook. Then we went up into the jungle and did another women's conference and ministered in a village that Christianity was new in. And this is the orphanage that we ministered to in that village up in the mountains. We did an English is fun camp. We purchased the curriculum. We taught it to the kids, did a big kids thing with these orphans, plus the neighborhood kids, all Bible based. And they had a good time. And your dollars that you sent helped us do all of this ministry in Thailand. Our team raised their own money. Some of you gave towards our team. But look at this. this is, these are orphan boys, and they were leading worship on Sunday morning. The whole band was made up of the kids in the orphanage. Now, this was the last picture I wanted to show you. This was a family. Not a family. This is a, another children's home. It's like a family with parents that, that have adopted these kids into their home. They... Um, had a band that would go into the slum areas and worship. And the one little boy had a guitar that only had a few strings, and he played the bass on the guitar. Because of the monies we were able to give them, they bought uh, buying a bass, an amp, and some microphones. When they go to the slum church to be able to do and lead worship with, that's where you're storing up your, your treasures in heaven. That's where the offerings that you all give go to bless people around the world. And just one last thing. Our team from Rwanda is in the air right now as we speak, flying over the ocean. Be sure to pray. They get in tonight sometime and pray for a safe landing, safe journey. And we literally are doing ministry around the world. Thank you again for your giving. We love y'all.
Come on, how many believe that today? He is good. Come on, give him a big hand today. Everyone, just make a big hand for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who's worthy of our praise. Hey, before you sit down, could we just take just a minute and just say, Lord, reach your hands out to heaven and say, Lord, I love you today. And I'm so grateful for your kindness. I'm so grateful, Lord, you reached out to me when I was headed in the wrong direction. I'm so grateful, Lord, you, you don't treat me the way my sins deserve, but all of us, Lord, are in need of a Savior. We just want to say, Lord, welcome today. We want to pray, Lord, for all the people of our city. I, I, I want to pray for, particularly, Lord, for people on the other side of this ordinance. I just bless them today. I just pray for the goodness of the Lord to overtake them. I just want to pray one for everyone that has hostility and hurt and pain. Lord Jesus, that your hand would be upon them in a very special way. We love you this morning, Lord. I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to make me into the person you want me to be. I want you to imagine a piece of clay, and that clay is our lives. And we give God the right today to shape us and mold us. As we open the Bible today, Lord, we're asking that there would be a voice in the voice and that you would speak to all of us, God, in a very special way today. And we just say welcome. Let your presence, Lord, capture our hearts. Nothing spooky, weird, mystical, but yet the reality that God is near. Welcome today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, tell your neighbor, you're looking good and you may be seated today. Now turn your Bibles, Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, it's great to have you today. Did everybody survive the storms, I guess, all the rain that we had? Well, I'll tell you what, there were black clouds hanging over Redwater where I live yesterday. I was very concerned it would be a terrible, terrible storm. Um, it was cheerleader tryout day in Redwater, and I have a 16-year-old. But I'm here to tell you the sun is shining today. I'm here to tell you the flowers are blooming and the birds are singing as Rebecca is a cheerleader. I'm, uh, I'm finishing a series today called What's Inside, and it's been a series about character and attitudes and values, somewhat introspective to kind of look at our lives, to see contrasting values, to see what's a godly value, to see what maybe is a worldly value. Uh, again, this ordinance that I talked about, those that believe that that's a proper thing, to me, as I understand it, it's an ungodly understanding of what the Bible talks about, about sexuality, about our right to accept who we are as male and female. But uh, this week, I've entitled uh, the message, Stingy or Generous? And uh, if you could get a picture in your mind, uh, one of the funnest things that I do that I enjoy the most about pastoring is after church on Sunday, I, I stand by the front door and all these kids come out of kid zone. And of course, they reward the kids up there if they've been good. They, they get a little, little, little thing of some candy, some, you know, whatever they are, uh, uh, Skittles or something like that. So these little kids, four or five, I kind of like to tease when they come out and I say, could I have a piece of candy? Could I have one? And 90% it's a no. 5%, they'll have their finger in their mouth, you know, and they're, kind of, and they're probably a no. And then 5% are, are a yes, but I mean, that finger has kind of migrated for the last three hours, and I, and I, and I let them keep it. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting how no one has to teach us to be stingy. 
And generosity is something that comes from our character, from our values, just like honesty, uh, just like uh, cheating, stealing, all these things come from within. And I'm going to encourage you this morning about generosity. It's not a message about giving to the church, but it's just a way of life that I'm someone who shares with other people. Interesting passage, Acts chapter 20, verse 34, Paul the Apostle said this, He said, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs. He was a tent maker by vocation. He said, so when I worked, I took care of my needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, this phrase, more blessed to give than receive, is not recorded in the Gospels. It's part of the verbal, uh, verbal uh, uh, words that were shared of Christ that were transmitted to people. But it's a, it's a principle that basically he's teaching us about work. And work, according to Paul, was for my needs. And I was able to help with my friends' needs. And then I took care of the weak. And I suggest to you that's very different than what we learn as American people. We're taught that when we work, we make money, we pay our bills, or we hopefully save some, and then we have some fun. But in that mix, Paul saw that there's a grand purpose of work that involves generosity and sharing with people and and helping people that are less fortunate or people that are in need. And and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to contrast being generous and being stingy. Generous, obviously, is someone who's unselfish and shares with the needs of others. To be stingy is is someone that that hoards, that refuses to share, uh, holds on tight to whatever I have. And and if we do give and we're stingy, it's the smallest amount possible. And we'll look today, and again, not a message for giving in the church, but this is a message about how I just live out in the world, how I treat my family, how I treat my enemies, how I treat other people, that there's just a sense of generosity as a value that drives my life. Uh, We're going to look at an Old Testament story, a husband and a wife, Nabal and Abigail. One was a model of generosity, and Nabal is where we'll start, was a a greedy, selfish man. So let's begin uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, the context, it's a story of, in Samuel. Uh, David uh, is the key figure. Samuel the prophet has died. David has been ordained to be the king and the leader of Israel. But at this time, Saul is still the king. And Saul tried to kill David, so David has run away from Saul. He's got 600 men with him. Now, think about this. 600 men. I mean, guys eat a lot. They're living in the wilderness. They're on their own. They're just kind of living off the land. And this is where the story picks up. David moved down to the wilderness of Maon, and there was a wealthy man who owned property near the town of Carmel. Now, this town of Carmel, interesting that archaeologists have found this city, the remains of it today, the ruins, one more affirmation that archaeology and shows us that the Bible is indeed historically true. I'm one who believes that if the world would suggest the Bible is untrue, be it science, evolution, origins, those kind of things, science is just not caught up with the Bible. Because if indeed the Bible is the inerrant word of God, if it is absolute truth, as it proclaims itself to be, and I believe that it is, then let me know sometimes the facts can be wrong. There were those that were very intelligent at one time that thought the world was flat. But they were wrong. 
All sorts of things that science has, has, has proven at a later date that, uh, that actually agrees with the Bible. But anyway, they found this town of Carmel, and this man, he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Now, how many know that's a lot of little pellets on the ground every day? This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail, a sensible and beautiful woman. But notice Nabal now. We'll see his character. He was crude. And he was mean in all his dealings. Now, how many know it's what's in your heart that's going to come out? It's what's in your heart that whether you deliberately make it a value or deliberately shape the character, how many know what's in there is coming out? And it influences our actions. Now, notice, notice what he did. Um, let's see, verse 7 uh, or, or verse 4. David took, uh, sent ten of his young men with this message for Nabal. David said, I'm told that it's sheep shearing time. He's got 3,000 sheep to shear. It's a time of, of prosperity. It's a time of joy, liberality. This guy's about to make a lots of money. So he sends it sheep shearing time, and he said, While your shepherds stayed among us in Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Now, here's the picture. 600 guys out in the wilderness. Here's a shepherd. It could be two or three of them. They're watching sheep. And actually, David's men protected the shepherds because, you know, you've seen movies about pirates, how pirates on the sea would come and steal, where there were marauding tribes that would come and steal sheep and animals and these things. David's men protected them. They didn't steal from them, uh, uh, and they were good to them. They were kind to them. Now, in the Middle East, there was a tradition that, that was almost codified as a law that if this kind of thing happened, that the person that was taken care of would share with the one that cared for them. And typically, they'd share food or, or other necessities. The implication is, is that Nabal, because David's men cared for their sheep in the wilderness, that he should in turn reciprocate or be generous and kind to them. Uh, but it was actually just the opposite thing happened. Now, uh, David asked the question, would you be kind to us? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. Now, notice verse 10, it's defining, who is this fellow David? And the ball sneered, should I take my bread and water and meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Now, this, his question and his answer determined his future because he died in about 10 days from a heart attack. I don't suggest that all stingy people die in 10 days, but I do suggest you reach the end of your life and you've not been generous, but you've not shared and there's consequences. You see, he said, should I take my bread, my water, and my meat? As opposed to seeing it all as a gift from God, part of which he would be generous and share, it was all his. Uh, the Bible has an answer to his question, what should he do with his bread and water? It's Proverbs 11. It says, give freely and you'll become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Now, give freely and become wealthy is not put in a nickel and out comes a dollar. God's not a slot machine. But it's a principle in Scripture that God blesses those that participate, those that are generous in, uh, in His kingdom. And notice what it says, But the stingy will lose everything. Generous people prosper. Those who help others will themselves be helped. Now this is an Old Testament passage about a selfish, greedy man that suffered for it, but Jesus told us the same thing in the New Testament about greed. In Luke 12, it's a familiar story. Jesus said, Beware... Guard against every kind of 
greed, and listen to what Jesus said, life is not measured by how much you own. Clearly not written in America because life is measured, and everything is measured by what you own. I mean, I, I had the joy of doing my taxes and finishing them yesterday on TurboTax there. And, and as I gladly wrote out my check to the government, I, are you with me today? It's like, it's like everything in America, the amount of taxes you pay is based on what you earn. We ascribe value in our society based on the size of our home, our car, all these things. In America, everything is about what I have. But Jesus is going to say, uh, things are okay, but there's a better measurement. He went on, he told a story. He was a rich man, had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? Now, Nabal asked the question, and his answer in response cost him his life. The same thing's going to happen here. Here's a man, very prosperous. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Now, this is interesting because the Bible teaches us that saving is a good thing. Joseph was able to be the hero because he saved grain for Egypt. We're told to go to the ant, and the ant stores up food in summer. So the Bible teaches us to save, but yet somewhere after saving becomes hoarding, and hoarding is a problem. I think it's when we lose our confidence in God and, and part of God's bigger work, and we take responsibility to our lives. This man began to hoard. He said, I'll sit back and say to myself, oh, you got enough for many years to come. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, you're going to die this very night. And then who's going to get everything you work for? Powerful scripture, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. So his question, what should I do with my prosperity? He'd have been better off if he would have followed Jesus' advice in Matthew 6, 19, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and rust and, and, and burglars, but stockpile treasure in heaven. Now, how in the world? This is not like, you know, centuries ago, indulgences. This is not buying your way into heaven, but it's simply reflective is the generous person will, by his or her generosity, by their sharing whether it's someone locally, whether it's a homeless person, whether it's a family member, someone in need, another Christian, or it's across the world in Thailand or Haiti, as we share, we are storing up treasure in heaven and we are stockpiling treasures and this stems from a, a rich relationship with God. So before we shift to the positive side, the generosity, let's learn that Nabal and the man with, with uh, bigger barns speak to us. And the message is that stingy, selfish people, whether it starts as a child, what's hidden in our heart. I, when I was in elementary school, I, I, I was stingy, but I was smart. We'd go to the dentist in Memphis. I lived in a small town in northern Mississippi. And, and for a treat, Mom would take us to McDonald's if we didn't bite the dentist's finger. And it's just interesting that every time I'd go, my sister would remember her money, and I would conveniently forget my money. Now, you've never done anything like that. But how many know stinginess? It kind of comes from our old sinful heart. And if we don't shift it towards generosity, we can end up in a ditch. Let's talk about Abigail now, his wife. Lots of themes in this passage, but the one we're exploring is their response to people that are in need. 
Look at verse 14. Now, again, we're talking about Nabal. Nabal has basically said to David's men, hit the road, Jack. You're not getting anything from me. Well, David got angry. The Scripture says he was a man after God's own heart, but particularly in this season of his life, he was a man of war. I mean, he lived with the sword on his side, and he was about to, he was about to get some payback. Well, look at verse 14. One of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and said, David sent messengers to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. Remember, he's mean. He's greedy. He's screaming insults. See, all this comes from our heart. See, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. So this is where our character grows in our heart. He's screaming insults. And notice now, he knew these men had been very good to us. So these shepherds had been, I mean, these soldiers had been kind to the shepherds. So he tells Abigail, hey, you need to figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble. So Abigail wasted no time. She quickly got 200 policemen to go out after David. No, she quickly got 200 armed soldiers to go and defend all their sheep. No, she got 200 loaves of bread. Two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred cluster of raisins, 200 fig cakes. This doesn't sound like somebody doing just enough to get by, does it? It sounds like somebody said, hey, I'm going to be a blessing here. She put him on the donkey, and as she's riding the donkey, she sees David and his men coming toward her. And she said, here's a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. And everything shifts. David that was going to destroy, now he has been, in a real way he's been paid back, in a very real way he's been honored, but most importantly she has shown generosity to people that were in need. Now Abigail was simply applying biblical principles. What she did, and I just want to read a number of passages to you today. Proverbs 22.9, it says, The generous will themselves be blessed because they share their food with the poor. Now, again, and no, I, I, I can't tell you how much to share with your life. That's not my intent today. Again, this is not a message about giving in the church. Uh, most of us today in this room, middle class people, the middle class in America is, is shrinking today. And it is shrinking because of decisions that our government's making. We are printing this phony money. Uh, our money is worth less and less. When you go to the grocery store, how many know it buys less than it used to? You're amazed. You walk in the house with two good bags, maybe three, and you could have spent $100 easily. Or you spend all this money and you get home and you say, what did I get? Well, that's because, that's because of our monetary policy in America today. We have, we're acting lawlessly when it turns to legal immigration. I mean, we just, our, our nation's upside down and it's putting the squeeze on everybody. I know very few people that have extra. Look, I'm thrilled that my daughter's going to be a cheerleader, but do you know how much it costs to be a cheerleader today? I mean, every one of you know that life is expensive. And if we're not careful, when somebody stands up and talks about generosity, our first response is, well, I don't have enough to be generous. Nobody has enough to be generous, but it's a biblical virtue. And I want to tell you, whether it's a dollar, a five, a ten, a hundred, a thousand, or whatever it is, how many know that, that, that it's a part of who we are, and we want to make it a part of the fabric of our character? I want to make it one of my values to be kind to people just as God has been kind to me. Because if I leave myself to my own feelings and ways, 
The Cabela's catalog comes at just the opportune time. Are you with me today? Now, there's nothing wrong with the Cabela's catalog, I hope and pray to God. But it just gobbles it all up. And if I don't deliberately allow the Holy Spirit to keep a tender spot inside of me, something I try to do, and I don't do this all the time, but something I try to do and I'm doing it today is I want to find something in my billfold and keep it in my pocket, not to get a a receipt from for my giving or a contribution receipt, but just to give to somebody that nobody knows about but, but, but them and I. Because I want to foster generosity in my heart because it's biblical and it's dangerous to stifle it. See, even Jesus said in Matthew 5, 42, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who, who want to borrow. Now, I want you to think with me just a moment. God has always wanted his people to help people in need. And again, I realize in, in our system, our culture in America today, what our government is trying to do to help people is actually destroying people in the process. So somehow we have to see beyond what may be around us. We have many of us, many people, many good friends of mine have been raised for generations in generational poverty with a, with a sense of entitlement. Are you with me today? And, and we're not give, teaching people how to fish. We're giving out fish. And they eat the fish every day and they're hungry the next day rather than somebody telling them how to have a better life. And politicians are buying our votes it's a mess that we're in the nation today. But how me know God has a better way. And if I just simply say sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if I will just simply say, okay, Lord, here's something I'm comfortable doing here, and just let the Holy Spirit guide you. Can I tell you it's a wonderful feeling? It is a wonderful feeling to put a 10 or a 20 or whatever, or a 5 or a dollar in somebody's hand, and they put a, get a smile on their face and say, don't tell anybody. It's just between you and I. God bless you. It's even a greater joy to do it and not let them know that it came from you because Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when it comes to giving. God's always wanted his people to help in need. Deuteronomy 15 verse 7, Moses said, if there's any poor Israelites when you arrive in the land that the Lord is giving you, don't be or tight-fisted. That's a definition of being stingy towards them. But instead be generous and lend whatever they need. Now, mind you, these are Old Testament people. They came from Egypt. They had nothing but the clothes on their back and what the Egyptians had placed in their hands. But yet they get over to the promised land, and they get houses they didn't build. They have lands, and God blesses their socks off. But then the Scripture says when you see somebody poor, don't just hold on. I have have seen a terrible thing. It seems that, that, that many of us, the more we get, the less generous we are. Because the more we have, the more we're aware that we can have more, the more it takes to sustain it, just an insurance, and the more people that want to put their hands in it, and it can be a trap. The New Testament says the same things. Acts chapter 4, when the early church was born, mind you, this is right after the day of Pentecost, uh, 3,000 believers, the whole congregation of believers is united, Acts 4.32 is one, uh, that, and listen to this, they didn't even claim ownership of their possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. Now, before you think this is socialism or Christian communism, it's not. It is a response to the need of the moment. 
And the need of the moment was Jews had come from all over the Roman Empire to worship on the day of Pentecost. It's just like if, imagine if Dallas is Jerusalem and you and I live here and, and we get on our donkey and we go to Dallas. I mean, no, you're just taking a suitcase or two. You're taking a certain amount of money. You don't have a debit card. You're not going to live there for a long time. You're just going up for a week or so and then you're, you're coming back home. Well, on the day of Pentecost, these people get saved from all over the Roman Empire. Uh, 3,000 converts initially. Uh, they got nowhere to go. There's pro- and then the Jews that are still there, they're, I mean, I'm sorry, the Christians are hated by the Jews. And if you're working, you lose your job. So it's a problem. So God's solution was is to encourage those that have been blessed with wealth to be able to help and share with other people. Uh, it was a part of the fabric of the body of Christ. They, they shared. Jesus taught us this principle of taking care of needy people. You remember Luke chapter 10? You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Now, the story was told that there, was, there were two Jewish leaders, a Levite and a priest, and they passed by a guy that was walking this, this pathway, and he was in the, the country. It's like you walking, you know... Are you driving down a country road? You ever drive, driven down a country road or, and, and, and it's, it's kind of scary? It's just about dark and you lock your doors because there's nobody around and you think if the red light came on or the service engine or if I have a flat, I don't know what I'd do out here. Well, imagine going down a road like that and all of a sudden what happens to you is that, uh, is that marauders get you. Your car breaks down. They steal from you. They steal your car. You're hurt. You're bleeding. You're wounded. Well, lo and behold, the two people come down the road, and one of them is a, is a priest. He ignores him. A Levite ignores him. But then a Samaritan, a Jewish half-breed, it was their, model, their idea of racism. He came by. He saw the man. He gets off his donkey. He bandages his wounds as the best he can. He puts him on his own ride. He takes him to a hotel, and he gives the hotel manager some money and says, Take care of him. If this isn't enough, I'll come back to you in a few days, and then I'll give you more. Caring for people is part of the fabric of the Scripture. You realize in Matthew 25, when Judgment Day happens and people are separated in heaven, one of the marks of the true believer is Jesus Christ looked at this crowd of people and said, When I was hungry, you. When I was naked, you. When I was sick, you. Came to visit me. It's a part of the fabric of who we are as genuine Christians is that we've opened our heart just as God has opened ours. So how many know if, if caring and sharing has always been a part of God's plan, how many would say I'd like to be a part of my life as well? Yeah, me too. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. Let me wrap up this morning. Uh, the Bible calls an aspect of what I'm talking about this morning hospitality. And being hospitable means to entertain uh, guests or strangers uh, without reward. It is to show kindness and generosity in meeting needs. Romans 12, the great doctrinal thesis of the New Testament, Paul says, share with the Lord's people in need and practice hospitality. And the idea of practice is, is it's a part of your regular life that you are giving, that you are sharing, that when you pack your lunch, you know, you pack two cookies rather than one, and not because you're going to eat both, but because you're going to have a cookie to share. It's just part of the fabric, you know. What a great way to teach your kids when you pack their lunch, you know. You know what kids like to eat? Well, just give them two of them, whatever the case may be, and say, give it to a friend because there's something powerful, come on, about giving and about sharing in our lives. Hebrews 13, 2, I don't know if you've ever heard this scripture, but it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers 
For by so doing, and obviously you've got to be careful with strangers, but by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Isn't that amazing? I can be an, could be an angel today. My wife is shaking her head. No, but really, what it's saying is there could be a person that comes across your path. In reality, it's an angelic being in a human body, and God notices when you're kind to them. Hey, I'm going to show a little video for we, about people showing kindness and caring and generosity, and then we'll wrap it up in 1 Timothy 6. After work, this very giving man takes leftover, uneaten bagels and hands them out to hungry people on the streets. They would otherwise go to waste anyway and go to the garbage, so why not share the bagel love? This woman is running a marathon with the first place runner winning up to $10,000. Although this woman was in first place, she sacrifices all of the prize money to help this disabled man get a little drink of water. After a power outage, this very giving police officer buys meals for over 20 people after their food had gone spoiled and they could no longer eat it. Another police officer notices that a homeless man didn't have any shoes. Instead of walking by like many other people would do, he was kind enough to spend some of his own money and get him a pair of shoes. This ultimate act of kindness is committed when a stranger leaves some extra change in an envelope on a vending machine, treating the next person to use it to a snack and a drink of their choice. This man desperately needed to catch a train and was running for it. Until he spotted this elderly woman, he stopped what he was doing just to help her out with the couple bags she had in her hands. A stranger donates a full set of tires with an explanation written in these words. You do not know me, but I saw that you needed some tires for your truck and I wanted to do something nice for a stranger because one day a stranger did the same for me. The receipt is in the envelope and all you have to do is go by Warehouse Tire on 3rd Street and ask for Stephen Hodges and they will be put on for free. All I ask is that one day you do something nice for a complete stranger yourself. This woman buys two meals, one for herself and then one for this homeless man. They then sit and enjoy lunch together while they talk about each other's lives. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like what James said when he taught, was asked about pure religion? It's caring for orphans and widows was the first thing he said. Now I'm going to ask you to put this into practice. I'm going to ask you before you leave the church today to look in your billfold or look in your purse and find some bill, dollar, five, ten, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you. But put it in a little separate place and say, Lord, whoever you want me to give this to in the next couple days, I mean, it could be somebody here, it may be somebody this afternoon, but I want to give this to someone that you put on my heart. Because how many know if you don't act on it, it'll never happen. Now, look, if you're here and you don't have any cash, we want to help you. Um, uh, where is Sean? Sean? Yeah, he's in the back there. He has a big stack of $10 bills. Not, truth now, he's in the back. Big stack of $10 bills. If you don't have any cash, for whatever reason, maybe you carry debit cards and you don't have cash, how I many know you can't give your debit card away, okay? That's not what I'm saying. You have a debit card, or maybe you've got kids, and how I many know if you've got kids, you don't have any money? Or, or whatever the reason is. Maybe you're just in a tough spot in your life. We want to give you $10, but I want to encourage you to give to somebody else. Now, no, 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 don't do that. Listen, you're, I know you're thinking, he didn't just say they're going to give away some money. I did. There's a big stack of $10 bills back there, and I want to encourage you, don't be ashamed or guilty or anything, but, but something, either from your own billfold or something back there, I simply want you to do what I'm going to do is to find someone that's in need and enjoy or uh, share in this experience of being generous. 
because it just may have the potential to change our lives. Listen as we close, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. And that's us, my friends, as we compare ourselves to the slums of Thailand. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable, but trust God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now, let me say this. Don't ever let the devil condemn you. If you're blessed and you can go on a nice vacation, live in a nice house, have a nice car, come on. Let me know, God delights to bless his children. But it doesn't stop there. Here's where responsible Christianity picks up. He says this. He said, tell them to use their money to do good. And here's how we do good. He says, we should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And if you do that, friend, you're storing up treasure for all eternity. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. He's, he's worthy of our praise today. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to close this morning. I hope you, Arkansan, will sign that petition in the lobby before you go. But before you think about lunch and what's going to be next, I want you to pause just a minute and bow your head with me and just say, Okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? We've sat in your house and listened to your word for 35 minutes. Now, what does this mean to me? Because, Lord, I think you want me to do more than just add to my base of knowledge. I'm not supposed just to be a hearer of the word, but I'm supposed to be a doer. Could we just say, Lord, would you create in us a clean heart? Come on, just reach out to heaven with me and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Wash away selfishness from me. Wash away any hoarding, stinginess, for whatever reason, selfishness, fear. And let me trust you, Lord, to be a, a generous person. Lord, I know you'll speak to me, and I just simply want to obey. But could you just say that? Say, Lord, just speak to me. Just shape me. I'm that piece of clay, and you're the potter. And I want to be the person you want me to be. I don't want to be like Nabal. I don't want to be like that guy that just built bigger barns. I want to be like Abigail. I want to treat people like Moses said in Deuteronomy that, that are poor. Um, I, 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 I want to be counted in Matthew 25 that I've fed people in reality feeding Christ. Change my heart, Lord. We'd like to make a, a place for a personal prayer before you go. I find that after a message, when we look in the Bible, the Holy Spirit always speaks. And maybe you feel in your heart a need to respond to God. It could be a personal need in your life. Uh, it may be something that this message is brought to light and you need God to help you with. We'll pray about anything in these closing moments, someone you can pray in confidence with. But the most important thing we'd like to offer prayer for is your own spiritual life. Do you know the scripture, John 3, 16? Say it with me. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest act of kindness the world has ever known when Jesus, God Himself, came down from heaven and placed His life on the cross to pay a price I couldn't pay. If I can't, take away, if I can't pay my mortgage, they're going to take away my house. If I can't pay my car payment, they're going to take away my car. And if I can't pay the sin payment, my life for all eternity will be taken away from me. Jesus came to sacrifice his life for mine, to be a substitute, to pay a penalty he didn't owe, 
to give me a gift that I don't deserve. That's what grace is all about. It's the love of God. But just because Christ did that, we have to respond to Him. Jesus said, as many as received Him as Savior, to those He gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. Being a Christian is more than coming to church. Being a Christian is surrendering control of your life to Christ, of receiving His forgiveness and following Him. And maybe that's what you need today, a life change that only God can bring. If that's you, we're going to sing this song through one time. I'm going to encourage you as they begin to sing, I'm going to encourage you to come right over to this cross and someone will meet you there and pray for you to commit your life to Christ. So go ahead and begin to sing. People, are, our, our prayer team is coming to the front right now. If you need prayer for anything, just slip out of your chair. And most importantly is if you want to make a commitment of your life to Christ, slip over to the cross. Somebody be honored to pray for you. I love you. I'm glad you came. Don't forget to get some money there in the back. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Like every week, uh, our prayer team is going to stay down front. And if you need prayer for anything, or if you want to agree with in prayer uh, about someone, we uh, we want to encourage you to come forth. We uh, we love getting to pray for you. But if that's not you, we we do want to encourage you to write some names on the crosses before you leave. And uh, we just pray that you have a blessed week, and you can be dismissed at this time.